0: Morning, Sarah Huffala.
1: Oh, good morning, Nancy Rommelman.
0: Is it still morning? I we're real for us. This is like this is like midnight for us. We're, we're yes, getting started. Yes, it is. It's super late. It's ten a.m. in your time. It's eleven a.m. here, which is weird. We usually do super early, but we've had a lot of um, little things this morning, including me thinking I'd have to run and take myself to uh, urgent care because I'm coughing up a lung now. But uh, but I'm okay. You may have some quick cuts here. You may have here, like I might stop in the middle. Sarah and I have a hand signal I'm going to give her. Um, um, uh. Well, I'll mute myself because we've had people basically tell us they would stop becoming paid subscribers if they heard either one of us cough again. Something like
1: that, Sarah. Well, I don't know about that, but uh, you have learned how to use the mute button. I have. You're powerful with it. I'm powerful. Child muff the listening audience from your dreadful cough which I've heard this morning and it's quite bad so yes
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna go see the I'm gonna go see the doc this afternoon um Sarah wow I I was up late last night doing something be- oh I, my gosh no, not- I know I'm so proud of you are you proud of me
1: I'm I was so proud of you because you did you did it the American way
0: I did I, uh, is it called I, I barbenheimered? Is that what I did?
1: You're barbenheimered. I barbenheimer Barbenheimered hard.
0: I did. I barbenheimered hard. I mean, I've been traveling, and uh, I've also been coughing up a lung. And uh, I was like, you know what? I'm doing it. I'm doing a double feature. I did a double feature last night at the Regal Essex over here in Delancey Street in beautiful downtown Manhattan, Lower East Side. And uh, and you know what, Sarah? I'm glad I did. Yeah. Yeah. Did you you didn't do it in the same day, did
1: you? No, unfortunately I didn't do it in the same day. So I went to go see Oppenheimer on Saturday afternoon. Um and and while I was there I was like, "Ooh, I want to go see Barbie afterward, but it was sold out." Like Saturday was such a big um uh, movie day and and where I was I was at the the AMC mall inside North Park which is like just I mean and it was a zoo it was you know it was it was moms and their daughters in in all sorts of pink it was it was couples it was families it was at, at grandma it was everybody um, the line for popcorn was like 20 minutes long. So I hadn't seen a movie theater like that. I mean, it was taking me back to like the 80s or something
0: like that. You know, I had the same experience. First of all, I I, I got in yesterday and I was like, all right, let me try and get some tickets. I was doing it on my phone. It's like the only seat available for Oppenheimer was in the second row, which is like you're really up yeah. close to this giant screen. And the only one for Barbie was in the first row. So basically, I watched Barbie, the Barbie movie Inside Barbie's Nostril uh, oh. yesterday. But also getting there. So the first of all, that it was sold out, which is crazy because I've gone to movies many times here and there's like six people in the audience. I also knew it was crowded because there was no toilet paper in the bathroom. Like the women's oh room, there was, there was a line and, and one was like, do you have any toilet paper? It was just like, absolutely. And it was messy. It was like, I had not seen a movie, uh, you know, a, a, a theater looking like this in a long time. In a long time. And, and by the way, that was, you went Monday night. Exactly. Monday night. And again, all kinds of people, especially for the Oppenheimer movie, it was weird. There were some people actually in the front row ahead of me, including like a 10-year-old boy, like a family. And I don't know what language they were speaking. I couldn't figure it out. It's not a language I was familiar with. I was like, wow, this movie is really drawing a a lot of people. But I I was thinking about it. I was trying to be clever. And of course, I'm not going to be clever. But it's was like, What is saving the movies? And of course, there's probably 14 million think pieces about this, but it's like, you know, Barbie and the man that invented the atomic bomb have basically are trying to save are trying to save movies as we knew them while basically everyone in the movie business is on strike. Yeah, it's it's bananas. It's a banana summer, but um, they are both apparently doing really well. And I read. A, someplace the other day, that the opening was so good for Barbie that Greta Gerwig, the director, is now basically tapped to become the most financially successful female director ever. That that, oh, that sounds sense, but yeah. it kind of does. It really make sense in more than a hundred years of cinema that in in one opening weekend of Barbie, she's already at the Crazy. top. That doesn't make any sense. I mean, it's, it's the biggest
1: opening weekend of twenty twenty three. It made over one hundred and sixty million dollars. It it even made um, like record amounts on Monday, which is also when I went to go see it. I went to go see I went to go see Barbie at like a it was like a one forty p.m. on a Monday showing,
0: and it was and it crowded. Yeah, well, um, so before we talk about these movies, I did want to get to something because I, I don't want to leave it for the um, for the paid portion. We had, I mean, truly an American icon die over the weekend and that is tony bennett and uh, he's 96 years old tony bennett of uh, every there is not one person listening to this who does not know who tony bennett is who did not grow I'm up i'm sure period. there is i'm well, sure there's one well, person. well i will is. i it, that that person will let me know who they are and then they will come to my house and i'm going to make them a nice eggplant parmesan okay oh. We're gonna be. He doesn't we're gonna,
1: actually. We're, we're going parmesan. That she's just setting the. I'm. The,
0: I'm. The, my the Italian in me is going to be honoring Antonio Benedetto. There you go. Right, and I, I, first of all, I I love his voice. I love his humor. I love his just who he was throughout the century. You know, you had a, a lot of people had like scandals and this and that, and he just he just didn't really did do. He didn't have those. He was just a wonderful. Cheerful, soulful singer of standards, and he worked with a lot of different people. And I have a connection to him, which is that I'm good friends with his granddaughters, Kelsey and Rami Bennett. Um, his he's they're Tony Bennett's sons' daughters. I know them. I I used to they're friends of my daughters. When my daughter got married, there were only 20 people there in the yard. They were there. I used to sublet Kelsey's apartment. They are beautiful filmmakers of their own. They made a beautiful documentary about Tava years ago. And and they loved and were very close with their grandfather because I've heard many stories about them. And, oh, we were doing this with him and da-da-da-da-da. And you know, I think most people know that he had Alzheimer's in later years. And this was extremely well-known. And and they told me, and I have heard it and it is true, he had Alzheimer's about almost everything. And yet he could get up there and sing. Like oh, he cool. still knew how to do this and was doing this until recently. Yeah, the muscle but,
1: memory, yeah.
0: Absolutely. But also... This is amazing. And I'm going to post it in the episode notes. So if you are not a paid subscriber already, I'm going to I'm gonna tell you, you should become a paid subscriber so you can see what I'm going to post. I am going to post an image of a painting that Tony Bennett did because he also painted in his later years. Oh. And this painting, Kelsey put up the other day, Tava, my daughter, was so moved. And when I say moved, I mean on a... Existential Pierce the Veil level. I had seen it and she sent it to me. We've talked about it. Um Toby's gonna get a try to get a print of it. You need to see this. What's it up? What this it's a it's of a of a um it's a it's it's got these beautiful pastel colors. And it's a man and he's sitting in bed, but he's very small, and out of his hands are sort of floating these these orbs and inside the orb is a bit of a figurine i'm not remembering what it is and it's going up toward this sort of rainbow but it's black and white of music notes this like swoosh and then above that is a swoosh of this like angel figure that's repeated 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 it's it's mind blowing <laughs> it is truly you know you you can't fake art you can't fake it i'm sorry you can't, this is why we've, we've had this conversation before about like AI. Are we, you know, are we going to be replaced? Is art going to be replaced? Uh, look, if you can wind up giving AI a soul and, and then the sort of like where we are in humanity, we're, you know, we're in this one world now, but we come from another and we go to another and what those worlds are, we don't know. We make up stories about them. This painting is, I've never, it's as good as anything I've ever seen in t- towards in terms of being moving and, and beautiful. And, um, yeah, that's just great. So thank you. Thank you, Tony Bennett. Really. Um, so, so many thanks. You know, I also have a connection to Tony Bennett. Let's hear it. The only
1: angry letter to the New York times that's ever been written about me was written by no. one Tony Bennett.
0: No, this is not true.
1: This is true. I've told you this story too. You have- you or, have not
0: told me this. I
1: swear I've told it to you before. I wrote an American Idol story in like 2000 and oh, I don't know, it was like 4. This is when that show was super popular. And I had a real throwaway line about how the song Someone to Watch Over Me had nothing to do with contemporary music. It, it was it was a glib line that was basically like this is like an old You know, it was actually a line that Simon Cowell had made. I included it in the piece and said I agreed with it. Um, But it was the kicker to the whole piece Um, was that, you know, like all these oldies didn't really have much to do with what was on the radio at the time. To me, it wasn't a judgment so much as just a, a sort of analysis. But anyway, the next week in the paper, it's the first letter there. It's like, I was shocked when Sarah Heppola said that some of the classic standards, someone to watch over me had nothing to do with contemporary music. Of course it has everything to do. It's the backbone. You know, it goes on and on and on. And he's, um, you know, pontificating about the the greatness of that song, which by the way, I mean, neither here, I actually, I don't love that song. It's not, it's
0: whatever. Oh, it's totally the outro now. That's it. Oh no. <laughs> Sorry. But anyway, I was so excited. I mean, can you believe Tony Bennett said my name? Yep. Yep. And you know what? You moved him to to write something. That's kind of amazing.
1: Well, oh, I mean, look, he's probably right. Like I said, it was a glib throwaway line, you know. Yeah. It it was basically making the point that, you know, why is this you know, why is this show that's so popular and it's about positioning, um positioning artists to be uh top 40 stars why is it using all oldies anyway it 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 was such a the only thing that was cool about that piece is that tony bennett wrote me an angry letter
0: well there you go um anyway he will he will be missed and um yeah, he did. He did really some really cool stuff. I mean, everybody probably knows this too with Lady Gaga a number of years ago. Just you know, these these kind of duets. We worked with both. Amy
1: Winehouse too. Yeah, don't, they
0: don't always work, but they when they work, they work. And we'll we'll find some nice clips and we'll put them in the episode notes. So, um, so okay. So
1: we're going to talk about both of these movies, which uh, you know I think when I think about why there was such a you know, such a collective um, outing to the movies this weekend. I just, I think, man, all of us just wanted a break from things, you know, like we wanted the escape, the movies, it it was, it was a reminder of what the movies can be, the collective experience of going to see a movie together. Um, And uh, so, so anyway, these two movies which made for the fourth biggest uh, movie weekend, I think, in history. Um, okay, I I, I haven't collectively. read collectively. Okay, um, they're they're very different, although they both have a kind of mm, undercurrent of existential dread, you might mm-hmm. say.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, where do you want to start? Which one do
0: you want to start with? Well, we'll start with the one I, I, uh, I watched first, but I'm going to ask you is sort of like a hot take number one, which do you think is a more successful movie for you? Oh gosh. Uh,
1: (sighs) you know, it's funny. I, I, I actually, I, I had a lot more fun watching Barbie. Yep. Um, But it's such a a sort of relentlessly silly movie. Um, Oppenheimer, I thought, was so good and so deep, but I had a lot of uh, some problems with it. Yep. Um, So, you know, like. Which one was a more successful movie for me? It's the weirdest thing. I am so reluctant to say Barbie, but
0: I think I might say Barbie. I would say Barbie as well. Um, Hot take number two. Had we been in a climate of we're all going to movies, there's tons of good movies all the time. Yeah, this is great. Like, we're used to having a lot of good movies at our, you know, at our fingertips. Is that a mixed metaphor? Available to us in the theater. Yeah. If it had been, I don't know, 10 years ago, whenever we had a high point of of films, do you think these two would be celebrated the way they are being celebrated.
1: Oh no, 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 I no! I and and I think Everybody. you'd have to go back about tw- about twenty years to the late nineties. And yeah. uh, no, I don't think so, especially Barbie, because exactly. there was something there was something like particularly delicious about its froth and its absolute silliness and it's sort of refusal to take anything seriously. Although weirdly, I mean, you know, one of the things that's interesting about Barbie is it has embedded in it some sort of feminist dialogue that we can talk about later if yeah. we want. But the, the total candy color of the movie and and the candy coating of the movie is so much fun. I think I actually wonder if I'd seen it 20 years ago, if I'd just be so annoyed by it. Uh, for
0: those very same reasons, I think that had it been 20 years ago or whatever, pick pick what a era of movie that you love, um, where there were tons and tons of movies. I think that Oppenheimer would have been sort of like celebrated as this, you know, serious Christopher Nolan movie, and you know, we're going to put it in the canon, and it and it would have done pretty well. I think Barbie would have been more of a. I think it would have been super fun. I would. Have, I think it would have been really popular with the kids. Like it would have been one of these things that. Grownups didn't go to so much like they they took their kids um, because it just wouldn't have that sort of resonance. But interestingly, that being said, both of us, you know, if we put the gun to our heads. It would be I would pick Barbie only because I think it was more successful at what it was trying to do. Yeah. Now we'll get to, yeah, let's, let let's talk about Oppenheimer a little. Um, so this is by Christopher Nolan. I, I'm not, I don't remember movies. Number one, I have to see them like twice before they sort of cement in my head. I don't know people's like cinematic, you know, roster in history, but I do know he made Dunkirk. I know he made the Bat- Batman movies and he and made you, a- you
1: know My favorite Christopher Nolan movie is one of his earliest, which is Memento. I just think it's a brilliant little puzzle film. And um, you know where I think he really rose to blockbuster prominence was the the Batman trilogy, which you know I just I I didn't get it. I I I have this I don't know I have this like mental block against superhero movies. I mean, I, I of all the movies, I, I liked the first Spider Man, and I liked. I liked the first, like Batman Begins and the other one with Heath Ledger. I, mean, I, mm-hmm. I liked those mm-hmm. movies, but I have a very hard time taking them very seriously. I don't, I don't know what it is about me. I don't, I don't find them to be art.
0: I, I was interested in the uh, Batman movies because I had loved the Dark Knight um, graphic novels. They were great. They came out in the mm. mid eighties and they were just, it was such a new, you know, they're obviously they're haven't always been graphic novels but like that was around the time that mouse came out m-a-u-s by art spiegelman about sure. his, you know his family in the camps uh concentration camps and it was like a time where it was almost this new medium um and and i loved the dark nights and so i was happy to see the first couple of movies but it's not something that sort of like got under my skin and i and i had to see you know um i remember michael keaton being super great um, as Batman well, that's
1: the original Batman right. Right. yeah
0: right that's um, not the
1: Christopher Nolan series oh
0: oh okay see that so I have just proved what I have said that I do not pay attention to people's oeuvre um I remember seeing Memento at the time I have barely remember it that's sort of uh uh uh, uh on on God, I have no language this morning, including it's, as well as no on voice. brand. You're, it's you're on actually, brand. This it's is on... actually
1: like um, an episode of Memento. That's you right. can't remember what you did five minutes ago.
0: But it keeps coming up because I've been dealing with a mother with with Alzheimer's. So people keep talking about Memento. It's like, you know, do you leave notes? Do you write it on their arms? Like, how do you try to figure out how to get them to- um, I to always remember? thought
1: Memento was the ultimate blackout movie too.
0: Because I wanna...
1: I you to be never been in a blackout like that's basically how the brain works. I mean like what's happened to that person in real life is that the hippocampus had shut down. It's based on a real life case of a guy that had a malfunctioning hippocampus. Um and and you know you you don't know what you did and and people that are heavy drinkers will like write themselves notes and things like that. Oh
0: um I do want to watch it again, though. That's that's I do want to watch it again because everybody keeps talking about it. Um, I did love Dunkirk, which is Christopher Nolan, and I actually rewatched it, um, recently, and not only because Tom Hardy's in it, that but that that doesn't really hurt. Do you know? Here's a true no, story. That doesn't about hurt, although I've never a, seen
1: the movie. Here's a
0: true story about that movie. So, uh, the movie starts and there's a lot of actions and going on, and then they've got this shot, and it's a shot of a pilot in a small plane i guess it's it's only he's the only one in the plane you don't see him at all it's over his shoulder so you're just basically seeing like his ear and his shoulder as he's flying and i'm like whoever is flying that plane i have a crush on oh wow it it turned out to be tom hardy so you see it's just instinct just it's just gut baby you don't have gaydar Um, you have guydar i have guydar oh I, I yes, I do. Uh, speaking of that, um, well, we'll talk about that a little later. Remind me remind me to remind myself about something that I'm, because it's like, wait, let me write it on my yeah, arm. Yeah, write down wait, something. Wait, I have remind a tattoo on my arm. Thing. Yeah. I, uh, anyway, so I, okay. I have, I have a bit to say about Oppenheimer. I was ready to be completely carried away by this movie, which is frankly how, I would like to feel about any movie. I would like to feel as though I'm not even here anymore. You have taken me on the train so quickly. You have pulled me onto this speeding train and I, I can't even look away. I'm not even thinking about anything else because I am so absolutely immersed in this story. Now, how, in what ways did Oppenheimer do that properly? Oppenheimer did that properly in terms of sound. Now, I don't give out academy awards, but if I were on the voting committee, voting committee, I would vote for um I would vote for this movie for sound. The sound in this movie was pretty incredible and I don't I don't want to really give too much away here, but there is there is sound going on whether it's music or sounds of some sort during every single part of this 180 minute movie except for about 1 minute. Sure. And it is, I mean, I was already completely captivated by the sound when that happened. And I was like, wow. Um, I thought there were some phenomenally interesting choices in the way they told the story. I'm a construction freak in terms of my work, how I want to tell you the story. I thought they did some of that very, very well. However, um, how do you take a life that is as broad as his interfacing with however many hundreds and thousands of people you're talking about atomic weaponry, you're talking about the government, you're talking about world war II, and you're talking about infidelities and you're going to put stuff, all of this into the sausage. This is the problem. When you make these sorts of biopics, you, you inevitably, you axiomatically have to give short shrift to certain parts of this person's life. This is why you need to edit. You know, this is when Twitter was something that we actually cared about. You know, that was sort of the, what was gorgeous about 180 characters. You know, if you were trying to do it right, you could, you know, sort of give the essence of what was going on here. There are hundreds of people walking in and out of this movie. And I'm not exaggerating when I say dozens of supporting characters. There is no way To remember like when then this character is alluding to this thing and you're going here and you're like wait was it that guy and you don't really remember what um I had a a good friend of mine Peter Blowner really terrific writer he's got a really good blog and he wrote uh today that he would have loved or he thought it might have been more successful to have made Oppenheimer as a miniseries where you really really could have unpacked each of these stories in a sequential way that made them all sort of amplify the other. And I think that that's right. I mean, so, you uh,
1: so my big takeaway from Oppenheimer was that it either needed to be smaller or bigger. Exactly. Exactly. And, and uh, by bigger, I mean, there's so few, like, I see so many limited series these days on Netflix that I'm like, that could have been a movie. Like, why did you have to bloat it out? It's just because we have this new format. This was the first movie that I've seen that I thought that should have been a limited series, yeah, because, because we were getting there was such character clutter. I mean, just like I did not know who people are. Remember, a bunch of these people are just in suits. <laughs> they don't yeah you, you yep. can't they don't have distinguishing features. I still don't even know who Casey Affleck was, what he was
0: doing in yeah. the movie, and you know. We should mention, the cast here is amazing. I mean, you, there are so many interesting people in this, this movie. almost, like, too
1: many stars. Like, at the point yeah. that you see Rami Malek, you know, oh, who's yeah. won an Oscar for Freddie Mercury, and you're, like, three-quarters of the way through the film, and you're like, he hasn't said anything yet. This is and really
0: weird. Then he's got this massive, massive, you know, part at the end. Yet Rami Malek, like, he could literally stand there and sell me orange juice, and I will buy orange juice. He's so magnetic. And he's so good in this tiny little, like in the three minutes that he is allotted. In this film. Um, I know, but I almost felt like,
1: okay, well we had this big star, so now we have to keep this piece in the in the in the movie, you know, where they should have cut characters. Like they needed to cut people. So what I what I was saying was, you know, I could have seen it as a limited series because there were a lot of stories that got incredible short shrift. For me, the big story that got short shrift was just Florence Pugh's story I thought got cut to ribbons.
0: It was, you know, what it, again I'm going to just uh, go back to what my friend Peter Blauner said. He said, you know, there is not enough real estate to explore the psyche, her psyche in a film about the father of the atomic bomb. You know, she comes on she comes on pretty early and you assume that she's going to have some kind of part for a while and we're not going to give anything away to say what happens, but she is literally shoehorned in between so many other things that are happening that yes, we're supposed to feel something here and they do their best in the very limited amount of time that they have to make us understand that we're supposed to care a great deal about this, but we can't, we can't because she is just, it's like, she, it's like a 13 layer sandwich and she's layer yeah, number four. That's you know? exactly
1: right. You know, I was surprised. I did a lot of reading about Alpenheimer when I got home because you know, I, I, I was a little bit like, wait, what happened there? Um, and I was surprised to find that that was a three-year relationship. Yeah, right. Uh, you know, it was a three-year relationship that got condensed to two scenes so that you might have accidentally thought that they dated for a week. Um, yeah. And it and it becomes very, you know, emotionally intense, but it is very hard to feel that. I mean, I actually really liked the scenes between the two of them. I and did I, too. I I, I would have liked to have seen that unspool you know, over, uh, like an entire episode. But so, you know, so I thought it needed either needed to be bigger or it needed to be smaller and really just try to tell the story of the bomb. You know, one of the interesting things that happens here is there is an incredibly climactic moment where the bomb goes off. Uh, it has all the hallmarks of this movie is about
0: Hello, Smokin' you have them, listeners. If you are hearing this, that means you have just listened to the free portion of our, oh, I don't know, bi-weekly episodes with Sarah Heppler. Sarah Heppler, who's just so busy right now, she could not record this little... Uh, interim moment for you. Um, We're happy to have you here as a free subscriber. If you'd like the entire episodes, please go over to smokempodcast.substack.com and sign up and subscribe. Then you will get the full episodes every week. Plus some special things we drop for you on the weekends and our monthly, our first Sunday Zooms. Again, to get the full fig, that is smokempodcast.substack.com. Thanks.